dreams do come true. Our text this morning and this second Sunday of the season of Epiphany is drawn from John chapter 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us. We pray that we might see the mysterious things of your word, that they might be revealed to us, that we might hear them, understand them, and do them. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a recurring dream. I start flapping my arms in a very straight, slow, and forceful way, and I begin to slowly fly off the ground. I cruise along at treetop level just above the roofs of houses. Sometimes I fly too high, and the air currents make me lose control, but I never crash, and the dream is thrilling. I wish it were fulfilled one day. Jacob had a dream, but it wasn't for him to see it come true. This morning we see in the Gospel of John, Jacob's dream fulfilled. Jacob's dream fulfilled. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 43. John chapter 1, verse 43. And it says there in verse 43 of John chapter 1, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning, as you'll see later in this text, the theme of Jacob lies heavy here. The motif of the patriarch Jacob lies heavy in the background of our text. And for that reason, I want to do a little bit of contextual background search on this text. So if you're back in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 11, you'll see the story of Jacob fleeing his home, heading toward his uncle Laban's house. He's deceived his older brother Esau. He's taken the birthright that rightly belonged to him by the prophesying of God. But now Esau wants to kill him, so he has to flee. And as he's fleeing, this happens. Verse 11 in Genesis 28. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, first of all, I always thought, what kind of pillow is that? Nice, big, comfortable rock to lay on. But he gets this vision, and in the vision he sees this ladder, and it's going up to heaven. And there's angels coming down, and there's angels going up. When he gets up in the morning, he takes that rock, and he pours oil on it, and he anoints it, and he calls that place Bethel. Bet-el, Bet, house of El, house of God. In Genesis 28 and verse 20, it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord, then Yahweh will be my God. So, Bethel, the house of God. Vision of a ladder extending from heaven to earth. And the angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder. Now keep that in the background right now. Let's head back to John. This happened, notice this, the next day. This happened on the third day. Now Jesus had just come out of the wilderness. He's been out there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was baptized, anointed to his office as prophet, priest, and king, and he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he makes war on the devil. 
And he emerges from the wilderness victorious. And then we pick it up in verse 29 of chapter one where we're at. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is John the baptizer speaking of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God on the next day, day one. In verse 35 and 36, the next day, again John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, behold the Lamb of God. It's now day two. And so we pick it up here in verse 43. The next day, the next day, it's day three. It's a day of surprises. It's a day of new things. It's a day of resurrection. And Jesus says to Philip, follow me, follow me into a new resurrected life. Going on to verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now Philip, Andrew, and Peter were likely with Jesus. They would have been followers of John the baptizer. They would have taken the road north that went through Nazareth as they headed into Galilee. Now friends, again, the chronology of our text is very important here. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, verse 43. And now he's hooked up with these gentlemen. And what's going to happen next? In chapter 2, you will see the wedding feast at Cana. Jesus' first miracle, where he changes the water into wine. We must go into Galilee. Why? Jesus is heading to a wedding. There's no mention of Mary here. Why? Because she's probably already at Cana at the wedding feast and they probably would have arrived at Cana. It's only four miles north of Nazareth, just a short couple hour walk. Now, why do I connect in the wedding feast in Cana and them going into Galilee? Because we read these words in John chapter 21 and verse two. Nathaniel, Nathaniel, the one who Philip has just found. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. They're heading to the wedding feast, going on to verse 46. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Philip tells Nathanael, but he's incredulous. Messiah comes from Bethlehem, not Nazareth. Here in the Greek it says, ek, Nazareth. When you see ek, that means out or out of, to cast out. Dunatai, hey, t, agathon, ani. Out of Nazareth is able any good thing to be? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Messiah's in Nazareth? Nazareth has to come forth from Bethlehem. Why, he'd be revealed in Jerusalem of all places. But a small, obscure town up in a far region of Galilee, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Of course it can. If in God's providence, Messiah was born in Bethlehem, presented in Jerusalem, had to flee and lived in Egypt, and was raised in the obscure protection of Nazareth. Imagine what would have happened if Jesus had returned to Bethlehem and word had gotten back to Herod the Great. He's already killed off all the young boys that are in that rough tranche of the age of Messiah. If he goes to Jerusalem, he'll be corrupted by the teachers there. We see what happens when he arrives upon the scene. This can't be Messiah. 
This Jesus can't be the one promised. He's not coming the way that we anticipated him. But Jesus has to go into obscurity in Nazareth to grow up, to grow in self-awareness, to grow in favor with God and men. And then when the time is right to return and to begin his public ministry. Now notice what the answer is here from Philip. Does Philip try to argue with him? Does Philip say, no, this has to be the Messiah because A, B, and C, here's my apologetic argument, but rather he says, come and see. Come and see. Sometimes that's the best apologetic argument you can use. I thought the church was full of hypocrites and phonies. I see those ministers on TV always asking for money, and then they get up there in the pulpit and they're so affected in the way that they do things, and the answer is, come and see. Come and see. I'm on the fence about Christianity. I don't know if I believe all those miracles. Do we wrap out a whole bunch of apologetics on why miracles could be true? They could be useful, it's possible. But are we told that something like that happens here and oftentimes in the scripture, the answer is come and see, come and see. Church is boring, it's too worldly oriented. I'm expecting to see something like off of the Simpsons and a little old lady playing an old organ. Come and see, come and see the kingdom. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael came to see, and Jesus said, An Israelite with no dalas. That's the word for deceit or treachery. No dalas. Now again, the theme, the motif of Jacob comes in, lies heavy in the background of our text. When the Bible, the Old Testament, the scriptures for the Jews, was taken out of Hebrew and translated into Greek, it was called the Septuagint, about 200 years before the time of Jesus. It says this of Jacob, that Jacob had dalas, deceit and treachery, in Genesis chapter 27, when he deceived his brother and took the birthright that was rightfully due him. It was a good and right thing to demand that birthright, and yet deception was used, and it's spoken of that way, with Jacob. Now, am I saying that what Jacob did was wrong? No, I'm not saying that the impulse, and perhaps even the way that it was done, but Jacob himself needs work. Jacob is a guy who involves himself in deception in various ways. And he did that when he deceived and seized the blessing. And we see that he's got some of that character. And I don't know where the good part begins and the bad part begins, but that's who he is. Jacob, Jacob has a name that's related to being the supplanter or the deceiver. But notice what Jesus says about Nathanael here. Here is a true Israelite. With no deception. Jacob's name, now you remember Jacob. He has to deal with Laban, and his deceptive character causes him to be able to deal with Laban, and he's coming back now. He's got a blessing, he's got two wives, he's got all these flocks and servants, and on the way, he meets somebody. It appears to be a man. He wrestles with the man. In the midst of it, he seems to realize there's something more going on here. Could this be God? 
And as he wrestles with this personage, he lays hold of the corner of the garment. He says, I will not let go until you give me a blessing. And at that place, Jacob's name was changed. You may remember his name was changed to Israel, Israel. His name was changed from the deceiver to contend and prevail. Now back to our story in John chapter one here. We've got a man who comes and he's told here that he is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. All the old Jacob is taken away and here we have a new Jacob, a new Israel. Nathaniel sees something deeper than Jesus simply seeing him. He saw into his heart and mind. He saw that Jesus saw into his heart and mind. Verse 49, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Now it's significant what Nathanael says here. He acknowledges Jesus as a rabbi, an honored teacher. He calls him the son of God. He calls him the king of Israel. He calls him a rabbi. I believe he's acknowledging him as a priest. He calls him the son of God. I believe he's acknowledging him as a prophet. He calls him the king of Israel. Here, Nathaniel, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit, calls Jesus a prophet, a priest, and a king. The son of Jacob, says Jesus, you will see greater things. You will see greater things. You, a true Israelite. Verse 51, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathanael, beyond Jacob, will see heaven opened. Now remember in the vision of Jacob, he sees a ladder, he sees the angels going up, he sees the angels coming down. What does this mean? What is this ladder into heaven? What's up with these angels ascending and descending? Jesus says to Nathanael, you will see heaven opened through Jesus. The presence of God is opened. It's been closed since the fall. In the garden, it was the presence of God that Adam and Eve were in. They were just there and God would come and meet with them. The presence of God. But the fall happened and sin comes into the world and they're blocked out of the presence of God by the cherubim with the flaming sword. And then we see with the people of God, the presence of God amongst the people of God is what? The Ark of the Covenant inside the tabernacle and later in the temple. But what do we have? We've got this veil with the cherubim woven in on it. The high priest goes in there once a year and he goes in with fear and trepidation representing Israel who represents the entire world and then he goes out that one day on the day of Yom Kippur. But what does Jesus say here? Through Jesus, the presence of God is opened. You will see heaven opened. The wonders and powers of heaven are being brought to earth through Jesus. And the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And here's the answer to the question. What is that ladder? It's Jesus. Jesus, the great mediator. The angels bring prayers and answers through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Our final prophet, priest, and king is the ladder between heaven and earth. And friends, I don't know how this looks. I think one day we're gonna get there and we'll realize, man, that was really simple and yet it was so technologically advanced. Friends, the Bible teaches us that the world is a very personal place. The cosmos is not a watch that's wound up, but rather things that we do strangely and mysteriously have personalities behind them. We see this from the book of Daniel. It appears that when we pray, angels take our prayers into heaven. They ascend and descend through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father and has sent forth his Holy Spirit. And from there, the angels bring our prayers before the throne of grace, and answers are brought. They're not arid answers. They're not simple rationalities, but rather the angels bring answers from heaven and make things happen. God brings forth his power down to earth as our prayers ascend and descend through the angels. And Jesus is the bridge between the powers of heaven and earth. Now let's pull all these pieces together, friends, because I think it's awesome. Now remember, Jacob saw the angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder at a place called Bethel. Bethel, the house of God. That's the place where the angels were ascending and descending upon that ladder. And we see that Jesus is that ladder. Friends, you are the recipients of Jacob's dream fulfilled. As you stand within and are part of the house of God, Bethel, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church is the fulfillment of Bethel, the house of God. Man, it would be awesome if we could see how this operates. Churches all around here right now gathering together in little nondescript buildings and maybe even cathedrals. Everybody's going on about their business outside, watching football games and going getting an early drink at the tavern, and yet the people of God are gathered together and mysteriously the angels of God are ascending and descending at the house of God and transforming this age as the kingdom of God marches forth and expands through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? Satnam Singh was from a tiny village in the Punjab region of India, but he had a big dream. He wanted to play professional basketball. The hawking Sikh was six foot 11 when he was 13 years old. He invested his life into fulfilling his dream by moving from his village to a city to train at a basketball academy, and then later moving to the United States to attend a boarding school. It was an extremely difficult process as Satnam had to stay far from home and family, learn a new language, and go, go through a rigorous sports training program. In 2015, Satnam's dream was fulfilled when he became the first NBA player from India after being drafted by the Dallas Mavericks. The patriarch Jacob had a dream, but his dream would be fulfilled long after he was gone. 2,000 years later, Jesus, the latter to heaven. And as we've seen this morning in the book of John, Jacob's dream fulfilled. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your love and choosing your people and setting us apart and placing us in the body of Christ, the house of God. 
May you cause us to be revolutionized to understand the profoundness of Jacob's ladder and how you hear us and answer our prayers. Build our faith even this day. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.